Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kaveh J Screening Room. We are here. It is season two, and we are ready to podcast again. Special season coming up, a lot of fun things. What better way, though, to start since it is June with the top movies that we've seen this year? Back with me again is special guest and host, Kayvon Jolinas. What's up? Kayvon, first impressions, the 2021 film and TV slate. What do you think? Has not been anything to write home about, to be honest, which I didn't realize until I was pre-thinking of this list and it was just really underwhelmed. I had to do some actual research into all the movies that came out this year. I agree. Well, it's interesting because now I'm wondering what the second half of 2021 will be because a lot has happened since we recorded last or since the podcast left for the hiatus, but Khan is happening with quite a lineup and the fact that we're getting a Wes Anderson and a uh, Edgar Wright movie in the same day goes to show that it might redeem itself by the end of the year we deserve this as we literally do it goes to show that we might be getting what we were supposed to get in 2020 we have a after Yang from Kogonada is opening up at Cannes I don't know if it's gonna end up opening up this year but I'm excited I think that I would agree that it has not been the best year for movies so far it was difficult to find things with like what premiered at festivals and what didn't. Honestly, yeah. spoiler, I kind of cheated my way at the end because my top movie is from a festival and hasn't released yet, but I'm holding out hope that it will be a 2020, 2021 release. Um, new movie came out recently, Kayvon. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Wild title. Uh, before we start, do you want to just talk a little bit about impressions about that movie? Because we have both seen it. It is streaming now on HBO Max or in theaters. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I haven't been enjoying myself in the Conjuring universe for a long time. I think honestly, since the first one, I've, I really liked the first Conjuring movie. It's it's a genuinely good movie. It's a genuinely good movie. They weren't trying to do too much. It's actually scary. And it, something about it feels really authentic. Um, And it's not like cheesy, like a lot of other horror movies were. So shout out James Wan. <laughs> actually a really good movie the second one i didn't like and then everything kind of started getting saturated with all the annabelles and the the nun and i think there was another one wasn't there the curse of la llorona was i think the latest one since which was yeah all of that stuff like the curse of la llorona and the nun are like genuinely terrible I have a soft spot for the second Annabelle for some reason. I think because I think we saw it together and it was I do a like very, the second Annabelle. Very fun and unexpectedly like probably one of the scariest movies in the universe just to watch in a theater. Good times, good memories. That was yeah, that was a good time. Post but Annabelle, anyway, Taco Bell, never forget. <laughs> that's crazy cuz I literally forgot. Ugh. She's going to come for you now. Can't forget things. It's okay. It's obviously like a I haven't actually seen The Conjuring 2. It's I didn't realize how long it was until I was looking it up. The Conjuring 2 I watched on a plane, which seems scary. Yeah, because you really can't go anywhere. But I don't remember anything that happened in it, really. I think there was the introduction of the nun character in it as one of the demons, if I'm not mistaken. There is. But there is. That's all I, I really remember for it. I don't know why, but I feel like witchcraft is kind of like an underexplored topic in the horror movie genre 
And I think that this movie did a pretty good job at kind of going along with it, like the whole Satanism thing and stuff. I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, topic. It was nice to branch away from like the typical, oh, this object is demonic. We're going to die now. That's a good point. And I think, especially in the first half, I really like that because the first 40 minutes absolutely flew by. I did not realize mm-hmm. it was 40 minutes until I until I paused it because I had something else to do. But like, I was like, wow, we're already 40 minutes into this. And like the initial Arnie, the I think I hurt someone scene is like super, super unsettling. Also okay. crazy. That sacrifice take. This is not really a spoiler because it happens in the first 10 minutes. But like inviting a demon into yourself to save your girlfriend's brother is like oh no pull I mean, out that's also out a ring that's a crazy scene to open with too to Fire be honest scene. it was a good scene it was probably one of the scariest parts of the movie just in the fact that like you're watching the like attempted exorcism of this like actually eight-year-old boy um and oh yeah God. i think but my issue with it was that it wasn't really scary it was not scary at all and you know I'm very bad with scary movies, but like there were rarely any times and they tried to do it a few times where I think the insidious movies, even though those got very bad pretty quickly, they also did a good job at making the scare just long enough that you know it's coming, but you've lost, you've let down your senses a tiny bit and then coming at you with the scare. And they try to do that here, but they don't nail the formula down. They don't wait long enough to the point where it's like, it's going to happen now. Even the nun did it really well with that single shot in the trailer mm-hmm. where you're not expecting it. And then, of course, that was the only good part of that movie. They messed up everything else, which is shockingly bad. But Ed and Lorraine got like beat in the first 10 minutes. Beat up the whole movie. The whole movie. Lorraine is just a liability, to be honest. Like, her power is cool. But, girl, like get out of there <laughs> what are you doing like why are you still there she always holds her connection too long and it it fucks her i their chemistry has been so good and i have to assume it's good in the second movie because it's good in this one this is patrick wilson and vera farmiga i don't know if that's how you pronounce her last name but close enough it is good it's been the notable thing throughout the three movies that they've been the main characters in however i did feel like this one was I don't know. I feel like it was kind of focused on like a hero complex because the entire time it was just like, I feel like the emphasis of the movie was on their relationship and like, oh, he just had two heart attacks, but he's now going to save her because she doesn't know how to act. They said you can't even make it 10 minutes without being incapacitated. Like the heart attack happened so quickly in the movie. Actually, probably the coolest way to have a heart attack as well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Just too much pressure. Um. So do you think this would have been better? I think it would have been better in a theater, honestly, but like, and I feel like at the first Conjuring, we had watched it at home. It would have been a lot more disappointing, but I genuinely think like, I wouldn't have really enjoyed this in a theater. It's not a terrible movie. Like there's parts of it that are really interesting. Interesting waterbed usage in the movie. Groovy. Which then raises the question of like, again, who were waterbeds for, which is just genuinely curious time relic of that era but it was like like a kind of nice bed frame too had a mirror on it though which was hello (laughs) sus yeah i 
The idea of using demonic uh, possession as a weapon in a court case is very interesting and actually happened. So I like how they hyped it up at the end. Spoiler alert that it was like going to work and it just did not work, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I feel like there was definitely substantial proof that he was probably possessed, given the fact that everybody was just watching him be possessed in that hospital or in that jail ward, whatever. But still. Yeah. Do you think they're going to make another one? Another conjuring it's... name movie with no, Ed and Lorraine. Honestly, I don't think it so. seems like they're getting old. It seems like they didn't need to make this one. I think they've built enough of a franchise because the whole thing with most horror movies, but especially with the conjuring is that it's a big, big name franchise that still sticks to not really using that much money to make movies. I believe mm-hmm. this one cost $39 million to make. I think it made $20 million at the box office this weekend, but non-pandemic wise, it would have definitely outgrossed by a lot, but they have Annabelle now. They, the nun was successful. It just wasn't very good. Like they have all these properties to the point where people don't really care. I don't think. And like there, there's nothing stopping them from seeing a conjuring movie. Even if the name, the conjuring is not a part of it is at least how I was thinking about it during the movie. No, that's true. I was just thinking more so from the fact that, it seems like their characters are getting old. Yeah. Like, I mean, not to be rude, but like Vera looks old. And I think in the movie, she's like 47. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> how long Ed and Lorraine Warren actually like did cases. I need to research a little bit about them. Cause like these movies make it seem like they're just like, we're just on a roll for their entire career. Like hit after hit. No, they were. Okay. Obviously, the movies are dramatized, but <laughs> that's why I like these, like the this main series, though. It's because they're based off their case files, like okay. off their case files. And I think they have interesting stories. Might have Just to dig fun, into the archives. Fun little thing. Have the so, book at home. Oh, you're not home. <laughs> would you recommend The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It? Crazy title also. I mean, the devil did make him do it, to be honest. So true. So true. He kind um, of made the devil make him do it also. Yeah, true. He let the devil make him do it. That's still just a shocking, probably the he most shocking part of the, the movie. He invited the devil to make him do it. Should have should have called it that. People still, if it the words The Conjuring were in front of it, it was going to be successful. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I, was, I wasn't expecting too much, but I got what I expected. And it was it was a good time. It was a quick hour 50, I felt like. Yeah, yes, I would agree. And not like, it does rely on jump scares that aren't scary, but it also is interesting in the middle, which the Conjuring Universe movies are not like that besides the main series where it's like, except Annabelle 2 for some reason, the the middle buffer can go. There's no need. It's like Godzilla versus Kong. There's no need for humans in that. But like, there's no need for non-exorcism related things in most of the Conjuring movies except this main series. But yeah, I would recommend it too, honestly. It's it's easily accessible because it's like streaming and you might as well if, you, if you're a fan of the series or just want a good horror movie or you want to see it in a theater with like the booming sound. I can't... Hmm, horror movies. Interesting. All right. We are moving on to talk about movies we really did enjoy or somewhat enjoyed but ran out of space in our five five-tier list. These are our favorite movies slash TV shows of 2021. So basically 
the list is gonna go that Kayvon and I are gonna alternate unless he has a movie that I also have on my list, and then I'll explain where it is on my list and we'll talk about it a little bit. But we do have different number ones. There are movies that I've seen, but he hasn't. There's a movie that he's seen, but I have not. You ready? Did I say so that wrong? Ready. I might have said that wrong. I mean, I feel like there's not that many movies that I've seen that you haven't, but. All right, number five, hit it. My number five was Shiva Baby. Um, again, I was struggling once I got towards like four and five to come up with something. As I mentioned, it was so far based on what I've seen, which is honestly not that much. Mm. It's been a rather underwhelming year for me. However, I did enjoy Shiva Baby. Um, not so much as I thought it was like a fantastic, fantastic movie, but I liked the plot. I thought it was funny. And honestly, there's not that many movies like that, if any, other than the short film Shiva Baby. Have you seen the short film? I have not. It's a perfect example of like the casting director coming in clutch because the cast, I believe the main, Rachel Senna is in the short movie, but like Diana Agron is not, Molly Gordon mm-hmm. is not. And having them in it makes it so much more interesting. Obviously, there's a lot more space to operate because it's a feature film, not a short. Right. Um, so Shiva Baby is an Emma Seligman film that's basically set in this house during a Shiva where a young girl who's like trying to figure out her life and dealing with the burden of relatives always coming up to you and like family friends asking, what are you doing with your life? She runs into her sugar daddy and his wife, which complicates things, obviously, an overwhelming amount. Um, I talk about this a little bit on the podcast episode. I believe Shiva Baby's in the title if you want to listen to it. I agree with you. I think it's a really, really good use of space and like time and that idea that we're like trapped in this house with her. And it's not, am I expecting Shiva Baby to be an Oscar contender? No. And it'd be kind of weird if it was, but like a screenplay nod, I would actually really enjoy because I think the screenplay is super well written. But I have this at number three on my list. I think I do enjoy it a little more than you just because I think the dry humor is so funny in this movie to the point where I can't. There's like a quote, the girl boss quote, the iconic girl boss quote that is just the line delivery is so spot on. And I feel like that's the thing with this movie is that the cast knows how to deliver their lines and sinks into their characters so well to the point where it's like, maybe it's not the most profound piece of cinema, but it's always really, really interesting to be watching. Yeah, I think there are a lot of individual aspects about the movie that work well together but are also highlights on their own like you said the casting all the actors did a great job the screenplay is obviously really good and also the direction is good like the way that they all use all those things to make us feel like we're there which i don't want to be there but i was there <laughs> just you're in you're at the shiva i'm at the shiva i don't know who who the shiva's for that's Neither the thing we don't even know that's the great part about it they're like one of the opening scenes like who died and it's like it doesn't matter because that's not what it's about i don't know we're I really all just there it. no no knowledge we're just at the shiva uh the spread looked good though spread looked very good i was thinking about that the potato salad yeah that looks fire yeah yeah if you haven't seen shiva baby i believe i don't know if it's coming to movie in the u.s but it's definitely available to rent my fifth movie i've been deciding between two but i'm gonna go with this one and I might be putting this a little too high, 
but I'm gonna put A Quiet Place Part Two, John Krasinski's sequel to A Quiet Place. Um, Kayvon, you haven't seen this yet, so I'm not gonna talk about it too much. Not yet, because I'm a good student and I have priorities. Let's go. Plugging yourself on the pod. <laughs> Very nice. Maybe by the time this releases, you will have seen it though. So I think so. I'm I'm shooting for a Thursday. Okay, so like the day of release. Okay. Um. So basically, A Quiet Place is a sequel to A Quiet Place, which I already said, but it's set right after the events of the original. And I'm not going to spoil anything for Kayvon in particular, but also for the people listening, just because it's a movie that's really, really fun to approach without knowing what it's about. It's a natural continuation. It does feel like a bridge episode, but at the same time, this is not really a spoiler, but if you've seen the first Quiet Place, which you have, Kayvon, you know that the use of the sound is just like incredible and makes it such a tense experience. So I, I'm really pumped for you to see it. And I think it lends itself to a lot of criticism just about like certain plot elements, but also like a fun conversation, which is why I have it here. I'm very excited to watch it. I'm a huge fan of the first one. I like John Krasinski. Um, Killian Murphy's in it. I do like Cillian. I don't know if it's. I, I'm not sure. We we said it both ways. (laughs) C Murphy's in it. Um, Is Jimin Hansu in it too? Yes, yes he is. No way he plays a good guy. I think you're going to be surprised at some of the things that happen. Historically, he's never played a good guy. (laughs) Obviously, the trailers do reveal Blood Diamond. I've actually never seen Blood Diamond. It feels like it would really? be a really long movie, though. Blood Diamond? Yeah. It just feels like a two and a half hour It movie. is. Okay. Also, Leonardo DiCaprio, you might have to watch it for his South African accent, because it is hell. <laughs> it's, it's added to the watch list. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Hopefully, when you come back, we can talk about it a little bit. Obviously, the there's one scene where the sound mixing is so, so good that it's like, it's the perfect movie theater experience because when it gets all quiet, you can't get that same feeling on your couch. Like it genuinely feels like you're stuck in the theater, which makes it really interesting. But I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about it too much. So what's your fourth movie? Which is my second movie. Wow, you have this you have this pretty low. My fourth movie is Judas and the Black Messiah. Um which again like it's fourth on my list. I did enjoy it. I did find myself in like after watching it, liking it less and less the more like criticisms came out about the historic aspects of it and the fact that like the portrayal might be wrong and stuff like that. Um however I do think it's a good movie. I think that Lakeith and uh Daniel Cullen. Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Oscar winning Daniel. Yeah, um, I think they both did great. Uh, I think was it directed by Shaka King? It was. I think it was directed well too. Um, Ryan Coogler was produced en- it too. Yeah, I, like it had a it had a lot going for it. It was engaging. Um, a lot of people don't really know about Fred Hampton. Uh, well, that's not a lot of. There's a lot of ignorance around Fred Hampton's life and stuff like that. So I feel like, if historically accurate it's a good 
at least segue into knowing or that's what i was just gonna say it's the gateway into like a portrayal of his life or later work and it invites you to want to do more research to Mm -hmm. learn because i i have this higher on my list i have it at second as i previously mentioned because i really really do enjoy this movie and i think it's so easy for a biopic to be too broad and this focuses first off on an interesting aspect where it's called judas and the black messiah for a reason if you want because of like the infiltration that that is actually such a cool name i know and it makes so much sense like 10 minutes in you're like because i didn't watch any trailers for this even though i heard the trailers like incredible and i was like oh i see and then i think it's just an engaging movie in general and i completely agree that it makes you want to learn more because it doesn't really cover everything not well enough it just doesn't cover the extent of the black panther party in any way or well, Fred I mean, Hampton's how could party. it yeah. exactly it because it's focused on a certain aspect of the history but i agree i think right after i saw it, i was just so excited because it was like the first good movie in a very very long time that we were mm-hmm. getting and on hbo max nonetheless the more i did think about it the more i was like I still enjoy it. I don't know if I enjoy it as much as the rush of like the first hour that I think is just incredible. It frays a little bit in the second hour, but it's still a pretty good movie. And exactly what you said, the performances are so, so good. Mm-hmm. Lakeith, uh, not Lakeith, Daniel's Oscar speech too. Did you read, you heard about this, right? What? The, where he said my, on live television, my parents had sex and now I'm here. Yeah, I don't know why he says that. Oh, Wild Nights. Great performance, though. If you haven't seen it, it is returning to HBO Max soon, I believe. Um, Yeah, because I think it's uh, three months after it came out, or four months. So be sure to check it out. Okay. Kayvon, have you heard of the movie in and of itself? I have not. Okay. I didn't think you had. So this is, again, a little bit of taking the easy way out but in and of itself is actually a filmed i don't want to call it a magic show but it kind of is a magic show and it is one of it's on hulu and i really think you should watch it because it is it starts out as especially if you don't know anything about it it starts out as this like mysterious show that doesn't really approach magic from what you really think magic is but has those elements like there's a long montage of him talking not even a montage. There's a long act of him talking and like shuffling cards and picking cards from a stack in like a way that you don't know how it's been done. But the last 30 minutes of in and of itself is probably like the tensest moment I've had this year watching a movie at home because I'm like still baffled by how the final act was done. And it just sticks in the back of your mind. Bill Gates makes a cameo in this movie because apparently he like really, really liked this show and went to performances. That part I could have done without and knowing that I could have definitely, I didn't need that, but it's one of those things that will have you on the edge of your seat in a way that you're excited yet nervous to see what's going to happen next. And I don't think any movie in 2021 besides maybe Judas and the Black Messiah has really evoked that feeling for me. So that's my rant. Go off. It's you should. Re- I I'm interested you honestly. You the first time you said magic show, I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it. Oh really? I was expecting yeah. the opposite effect, but I'll take it. 
it's it's a cerebral magic show is the best way to describe it but even the I'm, ending I'm pro after, magic let's go now you see me classic never forget now you see me too bad movie but amazing card throwing sequence still kind of a classic yeah yeah so i i don't want to talk about it too long because again you haven't seen it but if anyone listening in and of itself it is streaming on hulu if i'd seen it back when i recorded the streaming service gems episode it would have most definitely been on there because it kind of came and went and no one knew about it and i think if more people saw it and there's a lot of criticisms of it as well but i think it lends to really really interesting conversation about performance in general and just how he interacts with the audience and i'm not going to spoil it because it's oh an experience all right so i think the way this is going to go is that you're going to do three and two because neither of those are on my list and then i'll do my first pick and you'll do your first pick if that works sounds good all right what is number three my three is a curveball out of nowhere i would argue your second is a curveball out of nowhere and your three is not surprising but continue my list is kind of a curveball out of nowhere (laughs) anyway my third is the mitchells versus the machines uh i want to say the latest sony pictures animation it is it was sold to netflix but it is sony pictures yeah produced, what a studio produced written written produced by phil lord and christopher miller so you know it's gonna be good so true um given their history in the sony animation world it's there's a couple things about it. it's long and it feels long too which kind of makes it drag and it is obviously corny but at the same time it's a kid's movie and it's still really entertaining. It's still a really fun plot. The plot is basically this kind of out of sync family um, to the dismay of the parents. Uh, and the daughter. Or like, and the daughter, it, to everyone's dismay. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, like the last, well, basically the world is overtaken by like robots. <laughs> Or as the title indicates, machines. Um, And basically, it's it's their job to save the world, which sounds so stupid as I'm saying it. But it is actually really good. It's really fun. It's the typical Christopher Miller, Phil Lord humor. That's like, if anybody else wrote this, it would be so stupid. But they just, they have the touch. Yeah, I believe it was actually originally called Connected, but they changed the name. I'm pretty sure. It was not called The Mitchells and The Machines at one time, but they changed it back to that. And it does make it seem a little more of a kid's movie, but it's weird to me because when in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like an animated movie strictly for kids or adults. Because there's some animated movies that are like, like Anomalisa or Isle of Dogs. If I was like, first off, I don't think any young child should watch Anomalisa at all because it's very graphic for an animated movie and it's just not a kid's movie or Isle of Dogs is not really a kid's movie either and then there's some movies like most animated movies made these days that are like exclusively for kids but adults can obviously still enjoy this is one that kind of feels like it's made for both because there's a lot of references like throughout that I don't think any kid would understand like film references and stuff 
Mm. And it has this message that like, that's really, really good for all ages that our phones are not our friends at all. And it obviously does it in a way that's really, really appealing to children. Because if I was like an eight-year-old watching this, I would probably think it's like the most entertaining thing of all time. And also a great voice cast, which is not talked about enough. Awesome voice cast. Isn't Eric Andre in this? Maybe. I, I'm pretty sure he is. Olivia Coleman is in it as the villain. And incredible. She shines, as, as usual. As as usual exactly no i enjoy this movie a lot i think selling it to netflix was the right pick because it's been one of the most popular things on netflix for a very long time because it's been out for i think over a month now yeah and it still has a lot of hype and a lot of praise okay this is the one that i'm absolutely shocked by but i don't maybe i shouldn't be what's your number two snyder cut baby (laughs) Please. It had to be. Listen, I'm having, I'm having a, a hot girl summer and a Zack Snyder year. Yes, that is that is an accurate way of putting it. Do you want to talk a little? I don't even know if you need to, but just in case, what is the Snyder Cut about? The Snyder Cut is about the justice that the Justice League deserved. That's a bar. <laughs> it's basically. Zack Snyder got robbed um, by Joss Whedon, that bitch, when the original Justice League movie came out. they I mean, I already said this in the other podcast. They need to hand over the DC Universe to Snyder because it's entirely his aesthetic that they ran with. And he's been at the helm of a lot of the movies, too. And it makes no sense not to. Like Exactly. No and having Joss Whedon do it, it was a bad choice. It was just, a, it was a terrible movie. And so finally the nerds banded together, thank goodness, and got the Snyder Cut released as uh, I think, what, HBO bought it? Well, HBO already owned it because they own Warner Bros. But it was basically, I think that and the Friends Reunions Friends Reunion was one of the first things announced that like to get subscribers. But yeah. Well, yeah. And then they released all four hours of it and it's glory. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Snyder cut. We talked about this at decent length on one of the premiere episodes. I don't think there's that much to say about it, honestly, because it's like one of the biggest film cultural movements and I cannot believe I'm saying those words of the past few years in particular. But this would be an interesting time to bring this up because while on hiatus, a new, another Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead, released. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Because I think you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I've, after watching it, I decided that I'm just a Zack Snyder fan other than Batman versus Superman, which I did not really like that much. Um, Army of the Dead kind of a cool new take on a, on the zombie flick uh dave batista just shoots zombies just headshot zombies for like two hours and 20 minutes zombie tiger there is a zombie tiger which is awesome there's a zombie king and a zombie queen fire there's a spoiler alert unborn zombie baby it's just a cool the zombie trove is just 
it's been ran through. It's it's all the same. This one introduced like a zombie hierarchy. Maybe some would say a culture. Definitely introduced zombie pets. <laughs> As it so should. I was happy with it. It was a good movie. It was the the two hours twenty minute runtime went by quick for me. Yeah, I think at the same time I realize I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder guy. I do really like the opening credits of Army of the Dead. It's like just yeah, the right fun. amount of horrifying and like entertaining. But just explaining the plot of Army of the Dead, I did this because someone was asking me about it a few days ago. And it's like so hard to explain because it's simple, but it's also so incredibly stupid. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's dumb. Yeah. But it's cool. Also, I think it's funny that nobody in that movie needed any convincing. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, let's just go into Las Vegas, which by the way, is barricaded off and just overran by a zombie army. And getting nuked in like 12 hours. Getting nuked in like a day. And they're like, you know what? But there could possibly be, if you survive all of that, some money for you. And everybody's just like, okay. And then proceed to die. Yeah, spoiler alert. But yeah, I think it's interesting. It's it's interesting that these are the two Zack Snyder movies we've gotten because they're so completely different, but also Super kind of represent like, I don't love them, but a lot of people do. Like he can make these movies and make them, he can either make something really, really dumb that is just wants to be dumb or something really, really sophisticated, but is kind of dumb and do it in a way that is regardless, still pretty interesting. Even if you don't love the movie, I made it through four hours of the Snyder cut without loving it and i don't regret it honestly listen he knows what he's doing he's good at doing what he wants to do and he's allowed to do that like most of the studios or whatever give him the creative freedom and space to do so so i think it's just generated like a very very significant like motif among all of his movies where you're like you can look at it like oh this is a Zack snyder movie and it's nice to look at, honestly. I don't think he's going for anything like super, super deep, but he just does what he wants to do. And I have to respect that. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do my number one and then we're going to bounce to you because I feel bad for making you like just shove your list in one. So just to spread things out and mine, these might both be quick because I haven't seen your TV show and you have not seen my movie. Uh, that makes it sound like we made these things, which we did not. So my actually the biggest plot twist, (laughs) the biggest curveball. So my number one movie is a movie I saw at Sundance back in January called Flea. I believe it was bought by Neon like right the day after it premiered at the festival because it had so much acclaim. And it's honestly, it's a it's a animated movie actually about a refugee just trying to um get out of his country throughout his life and he's retelling this story to his therapist and it's one of those movies it reminds me a lot of paris police because it's paris police is also about someone trying to escape their country just like flea is but it uses the animation in a way that doesn't necessarily need to be there but i can't imagine either of these movies in live action because i think the animation actually adds like a different level of specificity to the filmmaking and just makes it 
an incredible experience. It's only like 80 minutes long and it's emotionally shattering. It has an incredible Daft Punk needle drop. Is it called Verditis Quo? Is that what it's called? I never know how to pronounce it. I think it might be Veritas. That's the song. And it comes in like... If you know it, you know it. Exactly. And if you know it, you know anytime that song is needle dropped, it must be amazing. And it is amazing. And honestly, it was just nice to watch a festival movie at a virtual festival out of all places that felt really, really refreshing and new and something that I instantly finished and was like, I wish I could have seen this on the big screen because you you all there's always that good feeling when you're finally seeing something that's like nothing else you've ever seen or is but takes like it's as good as you were hoping it to be and i feel like flea was like that for me and i almost didn't see it and i'm very glad i did and i think you're gonna like it a lot and hopefully they'll release it soon because it's a very very good movie you had me a daft punk needle drop i went took longer than um the The other one magic show yes I'll take it. That's what we do on this podcast. We inspire. You had me hooked both times. (laughs) So that is my flea rant. Kayvon, what is your number number one? My number one is Invincible, the animated show uh, on Amazon Prime. Stellar cast. Steven Yeun, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Zazie Beetz. That weird guy that plays in a lot of NBC shows. Um, what? Has a weird voice. He always plays a crazy person. Oh, oh, the oh my! I don't know his name. You know, what I'm talking I know about who you're talking though? about. Um, Pimento from Brooklyn Nine Nine, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he must be a good voice actor, actually. I have to. It was actually him. so funny. The second I heard him, like his character talk, I was like, oh, I know exactly who's who's speaking right now. <laughs> what is invincible about as someone who's never seen it and like i just know it's very gory yeah it's incredibly gory it's definitely not for kids um it's basically there's the world yes and they're like the guardians of the galaxy or not galaxy, guardians of the globe guardians of the world whatever they're superheroes basically and there's one superhero played by J.K. Simmons who's way more powerful than all the other ones combined. Um, he comes from like a different planet. And he's basically stu- Superman, but like on steroids. Okay. And the story is about his son. So the planet where... The, okay. Let me, let me assign names. <laughs> the Superman-esque superhero his name is omni man his son's name is mark omni man is from the planet viltrum he comes to earth falls in love with an earth woman they have a kid so the kid is half viltrumite half human so he inherits powers from like similar to his dad's so the story is basically about him getting his powers joining up with other superheroes fighting like different missions it's honestly it's awesome and it's super it's super gripping it's only eight episodes they're only 40 minutes long um just got renewed for a second and third season confidence 
I have to recommend it. It's actually so it's based off the a comic book series, I believe. It is. Uh yeah, it's honestly it's it's really good. The animation I enjoy. The story is really good. The voice actors, fire. I have to recommend it. I cannot okay. believe you still haven't watched it. I, I will get to it. I'm thinking eventually. I've heard a lot of good things about it from a lot of different people, and big win for animation on today's list. Both the number one spots, and the Mitchells. I think was your number three, or four. I don't remember. Let me just look. Your number three spot. Three. So, I, I, I think these are actually not that bad. It's a variety of different topics that we ended up covering on the list. Just to close us off, what's your most anticipated movie of the next six months? That is a loaded question. Okay. Do you want me to go first? No. I'm going to be honest. Okay. It's a toss-up. My realistic one is Dune. Hmm. If that's still coming out this year. October 1st, I think. I thought it was coming out in December. No, it was supposed to come out in December 2020, and then they pushed it up to October. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I'm super excited for Dune, just like every other nerd. Um, also, my sleeper pick, Fast, Fast and Furious. I'm really excited for it. Did you see that? That's the mystery blockbuster of Cannes Film Festival. I did. I didn't know if that was real or not, but crazy if true. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it is crazy. Someone like quoted it and was like, this should be uh, the Dom door like instead of the Palm door <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the Palm Dom or something like that. But like, that's wacky. Yeah, that's weird. I saw a clip of it on Twitter and it looks so stupid. I'm so excited. Do you have your tickets? Are you prepared? No. Okay. But I feel like it's a movie. I'm that taking will- my car so I can drive back because I will be driving <laughs> like a fool. Uh, I feel like it's one of those movies that like IMAX, it's one of those movies that is so crafted for IMAX because yes, everything that happens is dumb, but it's so dumb that like it demands to be seen on a giant screen. Can you even deny your excitement for it? Like you, you know, you're excited too. I don't even know what it's about. We talk about this all the time because you know a lot about it and I know nothing and I'm pumped. I didn't love Hobbs and Shaw or... Fast and Furious, Fate of the Furious, or whatever it's called. But they had two misses. I agree with you there. Furious Seven. I might rewatch Furious Seven in anticipation. I might rewatch every single one of them in anticipation. Might have to. Oh, I can't even. They go to space, right? That's what happens in this one. It's looking like that from the end of the second trailer or third trailer, I believe. Uh huh. I don't know how I feel about that, but... I can't remember who it is. I think it's Tyrese and Ludacris. Okay. The, the eighth crazy. one is the submarine one, right? Yeah, that one's not that good. Although I do think that Charlize Theron's villain is making a return okay. in this movie. From what I understand, the main villain is Dom's brother. Played John by Cena? John Cena. Mm-hmm. I think the problem I had with Charlize's character was not her, but it was you needed to really, really remember Fast and Furious canon material 
to be able to comprehend her motivations and like mm-hmm. why Dom became the bad guy. And as someone who did not watch Fast and Furious 6, hasn't watched it since it came out in I believe like 2012, I had no idea what was happening and was very confused. And then the submarine happened and I was like, this is cool, but it's still not that good of a movie. I'm also excited for Fast 9. I, I'll do a similar thing. My safe pick is the French Dispatch because it feels like it's been, well, it has literally been like years since we've been waiting, but I'm just so ready. The new poster is so beautiful and I need a new Wes Anderson movie and I cannot wait for it. My secretly, I'm very, very pumped for Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. As you should be. As you should be. Have you seen the the G.I. Joe movies? Actually, still no. It's crazy. I haven't seen it on Twitter. It's 53 seconds long. It looks so good. And you know I'm not really a fan of those like kinds of action movies where the editing is really wacky and mm-hmm. but like this one looks genuinely like fantastic. I don't even know why. I just see the trailer and I'm like, let's go, Snake Eyes, July twenty third. It's happening. I mean, Snake Eyes is obviously always the coolest G.I. Joe anyway. So a movie that's just about him is going to be sexual. <laughs> Yeah, I'm shocked you haven't seen this trailer. I am too. Quick note, I just remembered that I'm excited for is the new Marion Cotillard and Adam Driver movie. Annette. I'm very excited for that. I, It's actually quite a year for Sparks because the Sparks Brothers, Edgar Wright's documentary that's coming out in a week is also coming out and they're soundtracking Annette. And honestly, any movie on the con lineup, I'm like, I'm there please i'm dying to see them if they want to send me them but i don't know i have i have hope when we hopefully reconcile at the end of the year recommence for maybe a top five or ten list i'm hoping we're gonna have a lot more movies to choose from any last thoughts i think my list would be completely different i can't maybe save invincible Maybe. I can't imagine anything else besides Flea staying on my list by the time the end of the year, if the release calendar is as planned. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only movie I have is like a solid four out of five on this list. On my list, at least. Really? Yeah, I, I really, really like Flea. I can't wait for you to see it. Okay. Shout out to Kayvon. Thank you so much for joining me for the premiere episode of season two. You will be back. That's a really dramatic way of saying that to you. For <laughs> the Wong Kar Wai episode, it is happening this season two, coming this July. Let's and now we really have to fucking do it. go. Are you ready? Yeah, true. This is crazy. Are you still in the what? mood for love, dude? I'm always, bro. I there's a there's a preview out for uh Blossom Shanghai. Yeah, yeah. it was all in Chinese though. I noticed including that. the subtitles were also in Chinese, but I still, I think I, I think I understood it all. <laughs> Your passion for Wong goes beyond normal language. I was just I, furiously typing characters into Google translate. I didn't know it was a TV show until this. Trailer. I didn't either. I didn't either. I thought it was a movie. I'll take it. Anything. This. Are you still in the mood for love? Is that's the twenty forty six tagline? That's one of the like greatest taglines of all time. I feel like it's yes. so good. Uh, yeah. So basically, 
He's we're going to be covering guy. at least most of the Wong Kar Wai movies. So study up. The box set is going on sale this July. And we'll we're ready to talk. And you'll definitely be back for other times before that. You can follow him on social media. Doesn't know his tags. Okay. Um, at Kalon Zhao or at Kalon. It's up to you to figure out how many A's. <laughs> There's multiple Y's, V's, A's, and maybe N's. Oh, interesting. Well, that's a good sign that you know your tags. Fresh for season two. I'm Kavi Jolinas. You can find me at Kavi Jolinas on Twitter and Instagram, and I will see you in a few weeks. Peace out. Peace.